Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Win stacks of cash by entering the 150K Crack the Code giveaway. Brought to you by your local paper, now through July 14th. Look for the code on page A2. Then visit 150kgiveaway.com and submit your entry. You could win the grand prize of $100,000. Grab the paper every day. Get the code on page 2A and improve your chances to win tons of weekly cash prizes. Visit 150kgiveaway.com for details. From the feature staff at the Columbus Dispatch, this is Life in the 614. Hi, and welcome to Life in the 614, the official lifestyle podcast of the Features Department at the Columbus Dispatch, coming to you every Thursday. If it sounds like fun, we'll be talking about it. I'm Ryan Smith, Features Editor at the Dispatch, and today I'm joined by my colleague, reporter Ken Gordon. Summer is almost officially here, and things are starting to heat up on the area's entertainment and festival calendar. Want just a taste? Head over to Columbus Commons Friday and Saturday nights as the Columbus Symphony kicks off its Picnic with the Pops series with a pair of concerts. They'll be performing first with Cool in the Gang, followed by Jefferson Starship the following evening. Be prepared to celebrate good times. You know I couldn't resist that, right? And tonight, the classical pop stylings of Josh Groban promise to lift you up at Nationwide Arena. You may not admit it, but you know you want to be there. The biggest deal, however, is the fact that it's Pride time again. That means you can expect half a million people to show up in Columbus for the Stonewall Columbus Pride Festival. It's set for 4 to 11 p.m. Friday and 11 a.m. to 8 p.m. Saturday at Bicentennial and Genoa Parks. A parade steps off at 10.30 a.m. Saturday at Poplar Avenue and High Street in the short north. Today, we have two representatives from Stonewall Columbus, Executive Director A.J. Casey and Pride Coordinator Sabrina Boykin, to talk about this weekend's events, the evolution of the LGBTQ civil rights movement, and how to be a good ally. Thanks for joining us, A.J. and Sabrina. Thanks for having us. So this will mark really my first opportunity to experience uh, the festival and the parade and everything else that will be taking place. I'm relatively new to the Columbus area. Nice. What can someone like me expect who's a first-timer? Well, welcome. Welcome to Columbus. <laughs> welcome to Pride. Have you been to a Pride before? No, none. Never. Okay. Never. So I tell people if they've been to a Pride before, multiply it by 10, and that's <laughs> what you're going to have. If you've never been to a Pride, it's going to be very colorful and very sparkly. There is a little bit of something for everybody, so we, of course, have your traditional like adult area because it's pride but we have a family area we have a testing area we have a legal clinic we have two stages that are on all the time at the festival lots of fried food lots of (laughs) you know things that are bad for your diet we have some pretty interesting vendors that come and have come for years and we have a little bit of something for everyone 
expect to find hundreds of thousands of people in the streets. And this year, for the first time, we're, I mean, this is going to be the biggest pride ever here in Columbus. And we are clearly the biggest pride in the region. So don't expect to find a lot of empty space on the streets or the sidewalks. And 13,000 marchers this year. Wow. 13,000. That's up from about 8,000 mm-hmm. last year. Mm-hmm. So everybody's going to be wearing rainbow attire. So put on something colorful and come on down and enjoy the crowds. Why is it the biggest ever? Well, we have increased our festival footprint by about 33%, and we've increased our parade by about 45% year over year. And it wasn't us going out and trying to find people. This was just people naturally coming to us. They want to march with Nina, Nina West. They want to be a part of the parade that she's leading, and it's just gotten huge. I I don't know what happened. It's like we blinked, and then we came into work one morning, and it had just exploded. So... (laughs) Right. We'll take it. And you mentioned Nina West. She's going to be having a street or alley. She is. Named in her honor. How did that come to be? So I had seen this post. I I will admit I am a Team Nina fan. There's a group of like 5,000 people on Facebook that are in this, you know, little community together. And a fellow had put on there that he figured out that you can petition the city to rename a street after somebody. And so he posted on there that he had all the paperwork. And I said, hey, if there's anything that you need, let me know. And he's like, no, we're okay. And then I got a phone call from Short North Alliance that was like, hey, do you know this person? Can you reach out to him and figure out what's going on? And typically it takes some time to get that paperwork through. It takes some time to get it paid for. And his plan was to have it funded by the community. So do a GoFundMe. I called him and I said, hey, like it's it looks like it's a go. You know, do you think you can? What was your plan for payment? Like, do you need help from Stonewall? What do you need from us? And he said, well, I, I was really planning on doing a GoFundMe for it. And I said, OK. He goes, how much time do we have? Do we have a few weeks? And I said, you have till tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> and he said, OK, that's a little worrisome. And I was like, first of all, these are Nina fans. Like, it'll be done in an hour. So it's, don't worry about it. And they did. They raised enough to cover the sign and to contribute to Nina West's foundation. And it all happened in like 48 hours. It went from just some guy who loves Nina West thinking we should name a street after her to like, boom, we have a street named after her. We have a sign. We had to work with her people to get it designed. And it was done like within 48 hours. I wanted to ask both of you maybe what, you know, obviously she's been around for years, Nina, but this year with the RuPaul experience, I mean, she's gone national. She's a celebrity. What has that done, you know, for the community? And I guess for Columbus, just raise the profile. I guess. Yeah, well, I'll start and I'll let you finish because uh, Sabrina truly is a super fan. We're all (laughs) super fans of uh, Nina, but Sabrina's just, you know, a little extra. Anyway... I think that the the big increase in the number of marchers this year um, is in large part due to Nina's participation. And I think that I love about Nina her, I'm going to just say tagline, you know, go big, be kind, go West. And I think it's that bigness and the kindness that are the things that are really kind of pervasive throughout the parade, throughout the community this year, because she does, she brings a spirit of not just celebrity, but of community. And that has to be something that I think we build on because we need to come together as a community every year. So I think that's one of the biggest things that we can talk about with Nina bringing to us. Yeah, and I'd say, you know, I think we're in a political environment in which it's really easy to hate somebody and it's really easy to throw terrible things about them around and use that kind of to catapult yourself or your message. And I think the best thing about Andrew is that he would never do that. The best thing about him is that he really does have, when he says that kindness 
holiness is king and love leads the way. He's not just saying that to right. fit a persona. Mm-hmm. That is who he is. Right. Um, and I, you know, I don't think anybody at Stonewall or even in Columbus could be happier for him. And we want to celebrate him. We love him. But I think, too, that it's just time that we celebrate somebody that's so positive in a world that can be so negative. So this year's parade will have more than just Columbus's favorite drag queen, Nina West, mm-hmm. as its grand marshal. Can you talk about some of the other unique things or, or first time things maybe that will be happening this year that people haven't had a chance to see in the past? For example, I understand you're going to be having a tea party. Can you talk about what that is? for people who may not yeah. understand that or have heard about it? Yeah. So we're having a tea dance. Tea dance, tea I'm dance. Sorry. Yeah, don't show That's up with your Boston. tea cups. <laughs> right. That's in Boston. Yeah, don't show right. up with your tea cups. So a tea <laughs> dance is, the way I understand it, I'm a tad young, but the way I understand it, correct me if I'm wrong, is the tea dance was a way for the LGBT community years ago to create a safe space. And they were usually in the afternoon. They were, you know, midday. And it was back when you really couldn't be in public dancing with your same-sex partner. And so we've now kind of turned it into a fun throwback. It is the 50th anniversary. And so I think it's important to kind of lace the festival and, and the parade with those little historic fun facts. And it's, first of all, BrewDog has been so accepting and welcoming of us. They've created a Nina West, I think it's a lager, not a beer drinker. And they have graciously given us the space to throw a tea dance and to have a DJ come in and really just kind of celebrate how different it is to have this type of celebration or this type of an event now versus 30 years ago. And so we just thought it would be a fun way to engage the community and give them a little bit of a more colorful and accepting taste of history. Yeah, and that's going to be a rooftop party. Rooftop. I think that's important to say, too, because this is our first rooftop party, I think. It um, is. At so that's it a is. new and exciting thing, and that's happening on Friday at 4 p.m. in the afternoon. I think the other thing that we have to mention that's new this year is we have, for the first time in history, a Stonewall app. So you can download the app, and the app, I have found it to be so helpful. It has the schedule of what's happening around town, on what time, who's on what stage. You can make contributions to Stonewall through the app. You can find out uh, where the parties are happening around town. So the Stonewall app is a big new thing. And the Trans March on Friday, why don't you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, so we are, a board member of mine has offered, I should say of ours, has offered to kind of take this march into his very capable hands. He's organizing it, Bright and Shuren, and he's taking it super personally. I think his mission, and you know, I don't want to speak for him, but I think he would agree with me. He feels that his purpose is really just to be visible as a trans man and to show people that it's, he is normal, right? There's there's nothing that's scary about him or incorrect about, like he just, he's a human and he's wonderful and I love him. And so he's lined up speakers that have done some really fun, interesting stuff here in Columbus and they are vast different. There's not somebody that's, you know, uh, just an artist like he is. There's not somebody that's a dancer like one of the other speakers. You know, very different group of people to talk about why we march and why we march specifically for the trans members of our communities that that aren't able to be elevated all the time the way that they deserve to be. And so we're going to take the streets in an old-fashioned march. And he has had a very, very large trans flag made. It was commissioned by one of his flags, and so that will cover up parts of High Street as we march it down High Street on Friday night. Mm-hmm. Friday. It sounds like talking about just kind of always new areas to explore mm-hmm. and new folks who get involved and different, I guess, groups you know mm-hmm. that need to be represented. That sounds like a real theme of Pride 
festival in general. It's just meeting different people yeah. right. from different walks of life, different right. subgroups, whatever you, I mean, is that right. sort of part of the spirit of the event? Absolutely. I think that the greatest part about Pride is that it is about bringing everybody together. You know, so many people are marginalized, dismissed, discounted, and erased or trying to be erased just because they don't fit the standard of what people think should be. And so pride is about you don't have to be what somebody else defines your life to be. You don't have to do what everybody else does. You can just be yourself. And that's what pride represents. And every year we say that somebody's first pride is this year. Every year is somebody's first pride. And I think it's really critically important to say that when when we say that, we're not just saying this is the first time somebody's been to this parade or played at this festival or had fun with this crowd. Really what we're saying is that this is somebody's first exposure to being around people who are accepted just as they are. This is often the first time that somebody from a small town will come to a big city and see that, you know, they don't have to be outcast. They don't have to be relegated. They don't have to be left behind, that they can be part of the mainstream. And so pride is important, not just for the party that it brings and the hundreds of thousands of people who come to Columbus, but because it really does help save people's lives, give people hope for being their very authentic selves. You talk about celebrating your first pride, AJ. Could you maybe tell us about yours? Wow. It wasn't 50 years ago. No, it wasn't 50 years ago. (laughs) Oh, wow. Um, Let me see. One of my first prides was going to D.C. in the D.C. Pride. And I remember going to a house party in D.C. It's called the Brown Sugar Party. And I just knew that it was hard to get tickets to get to this party. And so I thought, oh, this must be at a mansion because it's a house party and they sold out of tickets. And uh, we got there and it was a regular house in D.C., in southeast D.C. It wasn't a mansion, but the whole neighborhood kind of stood by and, and hundreds and hundreds, maybe even thousands of people came to this house, this yard party. There were chairs, there was live music, there was a stage, there was food, there were vendors, all in somebody's backyard and in the alleys surrounding and the streets surrounding the house. And that inspired me, first of all, that small venues can have a huge and large impact. And so, and for me, it was about bringing community together. So you don't have to be fancy, you don't have to be big, you don't have to be any, you don't have to be anything. You just have to be you just want to be someplace where people know they can come and I think for me that's the power of pride the power of family because everybody does something to celebrate pride and for me that exposure at this brown sugar party in DC it inspired me I do birthday parties annually and I do them in the courtyard of the condo complex where I live because it's, I, I just want to bring the community together and I do live music I don't have thousands of people coming yet but again that was just one of the influences of pride for me how about you Sabrina my first pride I was 18 and it was Columbus Pride and my mom brought me down I was from a very small town in northwest Ohio I graduated with 43 kids so mm-hmm. tiny and we stood in front of the church on Goodale and High and I remember seeing my first drag queen and how like shocking it was because she was so tall I couldn't just like oh my god she's seven feet tall and you know I have a very fortunate story my family is very accepting it was never assumed that I was gay or straight it was never an issue for me to say I'm I'm dating you know a Samantha or I'm dating you know it was just never a big deal and so I came to pride and I had a blast 
A. I had such a good time. It was so colorful. And for me, it was different. I think, you know, people come to Pride and they see where they're accepted for the first time. And I came to Pride and saw people who needed to be accepted for the first time. And so it, it kind of changed something for me where I didn't just want to come and celebrate it. I wanted to come and work. And so every year since then, not just myself, but my entire family has been volunteering with Pride. And it's just kind of been a part of our calendar. We know every June we're going to Columbus Pride and we're going to volunteer for four days. And that's just what we're going to do. And so I think some people come to find family and some people show up to be their family. And so I think we kind of fit in both of those worlds. Well, I met my partner at Pride. Uh, I'll say that Columbus Pride three years ago. (laughs) Oh, true. Yeah. AJ, you mentioned how important it is for others to, you know, maybe it's their first time being around, yeah. feeling comfortable in their own skin. But but you mentioned this, uh, Sabrina, so I'll ask. And allies are equally mm-hmm. a part of this and important, right? You want to create more allies. Right. Um, maybe it's right. the first time someone, you know, who's not a member of your community right. has engaged with the community in that kind of atmosphere. I would right. think that would be very Perfect. powerful, too. Yeah. You know, it's it wasn't that long ago, and I try to stress this point in any place that I can. It wasn't that long ago that people were afraid that they would march and lose their job. Right. You know, I, before working at Stonewall, worked in a place where the owner was a very involved in the company that he ran and be very homophobic. Right. He didn't want anything that resembled a rainbow near him. If another queer employee and I were talking, that was we were collaborating. Right. I don't know what kind of paranoia he suffered from, but <laughs> we were collaborating. And so it wasn't all that long ago. For me, it was a year and a half ago that if I was too open about who I was or even the activities that I took take part in like pride, I could lose my job for it. And so I think it's important that we understand and we remember that, you know, while there are a lot of corporations at pride, how wonderful for those employees who previously were not able to be who they were at work, they can now be who they are at work, but they can also celebrate with their employer. And they come out in like Ohio Health, take Ohio Health as an example. It is their mission to be the largest contingent in a pride ever known to man. Like that, I swear, is what they want to do. And so how powerful for the people working there to know that their employer doesn't just have their back, like their employer shows up for them. And I think that is a huge part of pride for us here in Columbus. We see that also with communities of faith, You know, the faith communities love marching in the parade and letting the community know, letting their their members, parishioners know that, you know, we are a welcoming and affirming congregation. But also as they march down the street, there are other communities of faith that are just as vicious and, you know, protesting against the march. So they like to be the balancing to, to let the community know that they truly are not alone, that the whole community shows up. And I think that that is one of another one of the powers of pride is that it's a place where it's not just lip service, right? You get to stand and be seen and be counted um, as standing for the rights of the entire community. And that is true power. For allies, what are some concrete things that they can do to show support outside of participating in the parade or flying a rainbow flag? What are some things that you would suggest year-round that allies can do to show support for the LGBT community? So I think the biggest thing... I would say for allies is pride's not the only time of year that you can stand up for someone. Unfortunately, there is uh, an element of pride's colorful and it's fun and it's a festival. But then when we go back, you know, to wherever we're going 
It's okay to say not nice things, right? It's okay to say, well, that's gay or, you know, whatever. And as an ally, you have a responsibility to say, that's not okay for you to talk like that. Or that's not okay for you to talk about that person that way. And it's, I think it's also your responsibility to use your privilege and your voice to speak up for those who can't otherwise. It's easier for me as a queer person in Columbus to speak up than it would be for my in my hometown. And so I think, especially when you're in an environment where your straight privilege gives you the ability to have a bigger voice, it's your job to use that. And to make sure that you're not just speaking for the person who is being marginalized, but you're allowing them to speak for themselves if they are able. And I think that's kind of an important thing for allies to know. I agree with that. And I think that other things that allies can do is learn, be aware of the language now that is in the gay community because we're dealing with non-binary communities and transgender communities and pronouns. And so some of our partners like COSI and other companies and organizations around town, Columbus Museum of Art, they're starting to wear name tags that show pronouns. So it's say AJKC, she, her, hers. And I think that that makes it a welcoming environment as well. And it takes a little bit of time and trying to get used to using the new you know, the new pronouns and and understanding how people want to be referred to. Uh, For example, I got a business card. It was the first one I received where the person used MX, like MX Jones, let's say, instead of Mr. or Miss. So MX, and I said, oh, I'd never seen MX before. How do you pronounce it? And they told me, you pronounce it mix or mux. It used to be mux, but they didn't like the way that sounded, so it became mix. So if you ever get a business card and it says mix Casey, then you understand that it's a it's a non-binary terminology. And so I think allies can take time to, to begin to understand that. And there are uh, free and easy resources, and we can put some on our websites as we go forward after we get through Pride. But there's, you know, just being kind, you know, to use the Nina West phrase, just be kind. So, and then I would also say one of the things that makes sense is for all of us to suspend judgment. In the world we live in now, I've been in situations where somebody, you might want to say sir or ma'am to somebody, but they don't use sir or ma'am. And so learning how to speak in gender neutral terms. And so I've taken to calling people friend, because even if somebody obviously appears to present as masculine or feminine, we still can't assume that they want to be that way, be addressed in that manner. So just learning how to say, okay, it's a new world, it's a new day, and that there are people who don't respond favorably all the time to the same traditional things. It's just a new language and it's a new way to relate to people. And so that's just another thing, another way to to help build community. I would say two other things that I just thought about. I love Target. I love it dearly. And I was looking at all their pride stuff and nearly bought some. And then I thought to myself, well, why would I buy Pride stuff from Target? Why wouldn't I wait till the festival and support queer businesses? And so I think that's one huge way that allies can show up, seek out the queer businesses, the minority-owned businesses, and support them first. And I think continuing to show up, Pride is, yes, it's a great festival, it's a great parade, but there are events throughout the city that are by queer organizations all throughout the year, and show up to those too. It doesn't have to be a party for you to have an obligation or a responsibility to attend. You two have mentioned, I think, on a couple of different occasions during the course of our conversation, the 50th anniversary. And I know you're referring back to Stonewall. Can you tell us a little bit about that um, for people who may not be familiar with the history involved there and why that's 
so important? It was June 28, 1969, and the New York police were conducting another raid on the Stonewall Inn. And the Stonewall Inn became famous in Greenwich Village because it was one of the last remaining places where people in the LGBTQ community, LGBT in that day, could go and be safe. They could be out in public. They could dance together. They could drink because it was illegal to serve drinks to homosexuals back in that day. And so on June 28, 1969, the police raided the Stonewall Inn again. And my favorite part of the story is that that was the night that the people in the Stonewall Inn had had enough. They they weren't going to give in to this police raid. And as the police were handcuffing people and shoving them out of the Stonewall Inn and into the streets, one of the people they arrested shouted to the crowd outside, what are you going to do about this? And with those words launched what became known as the Stonewall Riots and ushered in the modern gay rights movement. So I think Stonewall, and we are a namesake of the Stonewall Inn, it was born out of a spirit of we won't live, we won't put up with this kind of treatment anymore by the communities that we live in. And so um, the Stonewall riots were over the course of several days in 1969, and all of the modern rights in the LGBTQ plus community kind of grew out of that moment. Now, it wasn't the first uprising in history for LGBT rights, but it was. it's the one that has kind of been the grandfather of the rights and the progress that we've made. And we have made progress in the last 50 years. I mean, we are able to have hundreds of thousands of people in the streets today in peaceful support of this community, and that is a direct result of what happened in 1969. And um, and we're still fighting for equality across the board and fairness across the board, but the 50 years ago, that's what launched where we are today. Obviously, there's been a lot of progress since then. We've talked a little bit about that. With all of that progress, though, have been some growing pains in the movement, and uh, some of that along racial Lines. I'm wondering if you might be able to talk a little bit about some of those divisions or some of those tensions within the LGBT community, both nationally and here in Columbus. Well, I think that the the country, you know, is um, based and steeped deeply in racism, and certainly the LGBTQ community has not been absolved of those issues and problems. And so, yes, racism still exists. All kinds of isms exist in and among the LGBTQ community as well as outside. And, you know, we in Columbus, we are working together to try to bring healing in this community. We have uh, monthly meetings of what we call the LGBT Roundtable. So these are people who work in uh, and on behalf of the LGBT community, and we're working to work our way through our differences. At Stonewall Columbus, we were kind of in the the bullseye of the, the storm that erupted in 2017, and we have made so many growth changes uh, within the organization since 2017. I was hired and started in January this year, appointed back in September, October of 2018, and as an African-American woman, I'm the first person of color to lead the Stonewall organization. Our board has done a tremendous amount of work to become more diverse. We're working on staffing and programming that makes it clear and apparent that Stonewall Columbus is open to the entire community. And once we get through Pride, we'll be doing even more work 
to help make that happen. So yes, racial tensions exist, but it, it requires that everybody come to the table willing to help make things better. And on a weekend like this, where we have so many people coming together to celebrate pride and celebrate this community, it's even more important now that we unite as a community because the haters are showing up big time. And if we are divided amongst ourselves, then hate wins, right? And our hashtag is love is love. And we really are working together to help heal differences and build the community. It's going to take some time, but I think we've got a good start. To bring things back full circle, back to the parade and to the festival that will be taking place in just a couple of days. Oh, mercy. Do you have a, a favorite part of the annual parade? Something that uh, is maybe a little special to you personally and might be a little fun if I'm there with my kids to uh, keep an eye out for? Wow. Well, you know, I think uh, it's important to keep in mind that this year the judges are back to judge the, the parade, judge the floats and judge the costumes that people are wearing. And I was talking to one of the leaders over at Big Lots, they're going to be in the parade for the first time this year. And they threw a challenge out like nobody's going to beat our float. And so we've got some celebrity judges. Maybe you can tell them who the judges are that'll be. Yeah. So uh, we have Jenny, our one Jenny's and only from Jenny's Ice Cream. Yeah. We have our previous mayor, Mayor Coleman, who is going to be there. And we have our very own Jake Borelli, who plays Dr. Schmidt on Grey's Anatomy. And I have to say, I've watched Grey's Anatomy every episode for the last 15 years. <laughs> so I'm real excited about that. And then it is being our master of ceremonies for the parade is Nina's drag mother, Virginia West. And if you've ever seen Virginia, you will not be bored. You will not have anything to be too serious about. I don't know where Chris gets all of his energy, but oh my God, he is hysterical and he's everywhere all the time. And so it's going to be a party at the beginning of the parade. Those folks are going to be a lot of fun. And I would say for me, there's kind of two two things about Pride that is my absolute favorite. One is I just love all of the people interacting in the parade with the folks outside of the parade, right? So you see, you know, little three-year-old kids just waving a flag and like you see people crying because they've never experienced something so big. Like it's a very genuine personal moment that you're sharing with, you know, almost a million other people. So it's, it's kind of interesting. And so just watching that is fun. I would say we do have a lot of floats this year that are, you know, we've not been very quiet about the fact that they are being judged. So, you know, bring your all. Elbrands is coming Elbrands, ready to win. Yeah, I'm not, yeah. I don't know what's Challenging big lots. Yes. Yeah. Right. Challenging right. Yes. Yeah, challenge. They're going to be, you know, Corporate throwdown. Right. Yeah, Columbus right. is known for rivals. So here we go. You know, for me personally, the best part about Pride has always been and will probably always be the committee, the volunteers. I They are my family. And so this, just this whole week, we see each other every day. We probably get on each other's nerves every day but they are pride to me and so you know you guys may not see it if you have a minute and you see somebody in a volunteer shirt thank them because they're giving their time to put on something so wonderful but they are are the essence of pride for me so i love it i'll tell you what this is my first time behind the scenes seeing pride come together and it could not happen without the volunteers we literally have 
one and a half staff people dedicated to making Pride happen. And then you said, what, 75 volunteers who show up and give hours and hours and hours of time. So that is really a highlight of Pride for me. Scott Shopper is kind of the leader of the, that volunteer team. And there are just so many, too many to name. But I tell you the other things that I really love about Pride. We have a whole section of vendors, local vendors who are selling their wares. And I'm always on the outlook for good jewelry pieces. And Pride is, yes, yeah, possible to get unique pieces that you can only get during Pride season or only get from these local vendors. And we really look forward to them this year. And then lastly, we end Pride weekend on Sunday, we have a brunch. And the first time I attended the Columbus Pride brunch, it just felt like a family reunion to me. Being in this room, it's, you know, like it's like you're in this kind of a, with 500,000 people in the streets, the brunch usually has about five to 800 people. And so it's a much more intimate scene, but there's conversation among people and it's, it, the brunch is a really great thing. And I think we still have tickets available. We might be sold out by now. Might be. But then we end with Baton Rouge, the drag softball league at Burliner Park on Sunday. So there's just something for everybody. And it's just the more I see it coming together, the more special I know it is because it's, it's so much more than just a party. It really is family, community, the best of all of us. Well, the prospect of 500,000 or so of my best friends coming to town is yeah. pretty exciting. Yeah. So I uh, thank you guys for coming in here today and uh, stoking that excitement a little bit more. It's yeah. going to be a fun time for Columbus, it sounds like. Absolutely. Well, thank you for having us and happy Pride. Yeah, I would say, you know, buckle up. You're in for a wild ride. This is your <laughs> first Pride, but happy Pride. Thank you. And thank you all for listening to Life in the 614. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes or Google Play Music. We hope Hope to have you back next week. Until then, keep enjoying your own life in the 614. Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts.